like to read our scripture lessons for today. Uh, our Old Testament text is from Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. We have pew Bibles that you're welcome to use to follow along or scroll to this in your digital Bible or just sit back and listen. Ezekiel 3 is a passage where God, through Ezekiel, speaks to the people and Ezekiel is responsible to make sure he says what needs to be said and God explains to him what his commission is. Listen here to God's word. Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you do not, and you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I place an obstacle before him, he will die. Since you have not warned him, he shall die in his sin, and his righteous deeds which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. However, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning, and you have delivered yourself. Amen. When we get to our Acts reading, you'll see why this passage was chosen. Our gospel lesson is from Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, one little verse. Jesus is speaking to his disciples uh, down through the ages as well, and tells what he has for us to do and how we should conduct ourselves. Listen here to God's word. Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as... Amen. And then our primary text today is from Acts chapter 20. We'll read verses 25 through 31. This is the heart or meat of the farewell message that the Apostle Paul gives to the Ephesian elders on the shores of Miletus. We've been working our way through that. We'll finish it up next week. Uh, here he, he gives them some particular instructions on what they as elders should do. Listen again to God's word. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Amen. We'll take a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we have read.
Gracious God, we do ask for you to feed us, nurture us with your word preached this day. Glorify yourself, minister to us, we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Allow me to throw some cold water on the fires of enthusiasm we're experiencing today. Isn't that a good thing to say? Allow me to throw some cold water on it. The first church where I served as pastor was Kingman Community Church in Kingman, Indiana. We had a big guy there named Leroy Summers, uh, and he got sick, and he kept losing weight and was sick, and, and uh, turns out he had cancer. Now, Leroy didn't know that, and the doctors came and talked to his wife, Wanda, and her family said, Leroy has cancer, this is terminal, uh, he's not going to get better, he's going to die. They told her this in maybe late March, early April, he died, we buried him Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and Wanda and her family asked me, preacher, didn't know squat. Well, Leroy said if he ever got cancer, he didn't want to know. Don't tell him. And they asked me, what should they do? Should they tell him that indeed the doctors say that he has cancer or not? I said, let me pray. And I can remember I was walking home from the church down to the place where I lived. And uh, it seemed as though the Lord brought to my mind and spoke into my heart and my life that when Moses was about to die, God said, Moses, get on up here, you're going to die. And there were a number of other times when God was very clear that he wanted to speak faithfully into the lives of people with message that's truth. And so I told Wanda and her family, yes, you should tell Leroy that he has cancer. And then unless the Lord does a miracle, he's going to die. They didn't. When we found out finally, he said, why didn't you tell me? Well, to some degree, in some way, the church is like that to the world around us. Denny used the phrase, a sick and dying world. I think he used that phrase or something to that effect. Uh, and we have the task of announcing that. And the world does not like to hear it. So Paul, here in talking to the Ephesian elders, says, if you're faithful about what goes on, what you do, watch out because dangers abound. There's dangers all around. He's passing the baton to the elders because he won't be there any longer. He says, Bear the same concern that I have with tears. Be responsible. Take care. Be on guard. Don't ignore the realities. Do have tears for the church just as I have had and help the church. Now here's the reality. Paul says, among whom I preach the kingdom. How do you preach the kingdom? We'll do it in verse 10 of Psalm 96. We're to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. He's king. Or Jesus is Lord. Or his sovereignty rules over all. There are a number of proclamations in the Bible that says that God rules. That Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. We preach that. 
There is nothing over which Christ does not rule. From big to little, from falling stars to falling sparrows, he reigns as king. From kings to slaves, from mountains to subatomic particles, Jesus reigns as king over all those. God orders all those things. His sovereignty is over them. But there is a rebellion against his rule. This goes back to the devil. A spiritual rebellion that that arose and said, I don't want God to rule over me. And since the fall, that rebellion has included all of humanity. That's the bad news. That's the cold water on our enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Uh, The bad news is that all of humanity is in rebellion against God. We essentially say, God, I will make my own rules and you shall not rule over me. Well, I'll I'll walk with you insofar as you agree with me, but where we disagree, I rule as sovereign. Would you like a succinct expression of that? Let me read you something that was written. See if you recognize it. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. You recognize where that comes from? From our Supreme Court back in 1992 in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision. It said we cannot have laws that would forbid abortion because at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of human life, etc. Now contrast that with the injunction found in Scripture. This is from Exodus, pardon me, it's from Numbers chapter 15. The Lord says, Remember all the commandments of the Lord so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you played the harlot. It says, Watch out. If you say you're the ruler of your own life, I'm going to do my will and not yours, you will end up defaming and rebelling and going against God. Don't follow your heart in that sense. The rebellion, however, does not change the rule. Read Psalm 2 when you get home today. Remember, why are the nations in an uproar? Why are the nations doing all these things? Because they say, tear off the fetters of God and his Christ. But God says, let them do all they want. I scoff at them. I've enthroned Christ on my holy hill, and he reigns and he rules. Now, the crux of the matter, given what we've just described, is this. This is extraordinarily important. In fact, it's a matter of supreme importance. It's a matter of blood. The blood of men, of which Paul says he's innocent. The passage from Ezekiel 3, which he alludes to in his speech to the Ephesian elders, is sharing with him, says, you know, this is a matter of life and death. It has to do with accountability. We are accountable to the one who made us. We're accountable to him, not to anyone else, but to God. He holds us accountable. Debts must be paid. The debt to God's rule. It's an extreme debt. Therefore, Paul tells the elders to be aware, be on the alert, be on guard. He says, savage wolves from without will come in and try and get the flock. He's talking about persecution. 
Give up your confession of Christ and living for Him. Paul experiences that. Has experienced it before, will experience it again. In fact, he'll eventually be beheaded because of his Christian witness. A savage wolf, as it were, took his head off. As Denny and Sue explained, in the Middle East, Christians right now are experiencing this. Savage wolves. Savage wolves. Cutting off heads, doing unspeakable things that should not be done because Christian people who will not deny Christ, confess Allah. There are powerful forces abroad in our culture and in our land to turn Christians today from the way of the Lord. Everything from government legislation, which we want to be God-honoring and government-honoring and obeying people, there comes a place where you have to, who is the king? Who is it who rules? Sometimes from educational authorities. Oftentimes from entertainment. What we hear and see and listen to in entertainment tells us something other than the truth. It pulls us another way. Sometimes our jobs. I mentioned in the bulletin blurb, what if your job was identity theft. I mean, that's what you do for a living. I mean, there are people who, who do that. There are people whose jobs entail doing pornography. There's people whose jobs entail uh, giving, uh, making false loans to people, scamming people. You should not do those. So you have savage wolves from without who will come in in some way and try to get us to go away from the, the way of the Lord. We need to be aware of that. That'll happen among us here. But Paul also mentions then about false brethren from among yourselves will rise up. This was not an idle philosophy of his. If you go through 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he names names. You know, when he wrote to Timothy, though, 1 and 2 Timothy, Timothy at that time was serving as the pastor of the Ephesian church. And Paul says, Hymenaeus, Alexander, Phagellus, Hermogenes, Philetus. He names names of people who've done this, who've risen up from within and have either through perverse living or through bad doctrine caused folks to go astray. He tells them, resist those folks. In our own day and time, you have people like, by the way, we say these things not with any animus or uh, desire for something bad to happen to them. You'll see this in the confession of sin today. Uh, like the Jehovah Witnesses, who good people, by and large moral people, but who teach that Jesus returned in 1917. I was down at the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania to see uh, Carol Minninger a week or two ago, and it was on a Saturday. And on the campus there. It was interesting. There were, I, in my walking to the hospital, I went past two places where there were displays out, giving materials out, done by Jehovah Witnesses. Dealing with creation, but, but with Jehovah Witnesses. So they're out there. Liberal churches. Liberal churches who deny essential truths, have bad ethics, 
but don't actually say what they've done. They redefine words so that they can use orthodox language but have an unorthodox understanding. Who find some way to subvert the scriptures so that what we know the Bible plainly teaches with regard to ethics is nonetheless allowed and okay. Within evangelical churches, we've seen the same thing. One can only think of names like Rob Bell. Gifted, talented guy. Lots of good things that he did put out, but he kept going and it turns out that he was not where he should be. One thinks of Brian McLaren down here in Maryland who kept going and going and he's gone beyond the pale. Now all of this is at the peril of individual souls. That's why it's important. Heaven and hell are at stake. These are not mere theoretical discussions. Things to idly think about while you're driving or to talk with someone over a dinner or something of that sort. Souls, eternal destinies are at stake. So Paul urges the elders of the Ephesian churches to be on guard. These things are around. Be on guard that you can help people answer this and withstand and do what they should. Now, there's joy in the midst of this. For there is always joy for the people of God. Always. No matter how dark, no matter how desperate the situation, there's always joy because the Lord reigns. He rules by His might forever. His kingdom is over all. Did you notice, as Paul mentions here, he talks about the flock. He calls it the flock of God. True Christians are part of the flock of God. Did you see what qualifies one to be part of the flock of God? It's those persons whom he acquired at the cost of his own blood. Costly. Human blood cannot do it. God's own blood, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, shed his blood to take away the guilt of our sin and give us new life. He chose us while we were still rebels. We sang about it in the song this morning. You hear about it in 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. And so the joy is, is that here we have a church, Lightest Church. We have lots of people here from other churches as well, but the church gathered today, the flock of God, bought, acquired, purchased with the blood of Christ. How precious is that? God's Son would come for us. It's called the Church of the Living God. It's called the Household of God. It's in 1 Timothy 3. He didn't choose us for our beauty. He didn't choose us for our goodness. He chose us according to His good pleasure. Paul says, elders, care for this people. Watch over this people 
protect this people, exhort this people, encourage them, because dangers abound. Dangers in how one thinks, dangers in how one lives, dangers from authorities, dangers from within, all kind of ways. Watch out for the church of God, his beloved, his precious. Now, why do we need to know this? Because of what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16. We need to be under no illusions. He sends us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. We're not out to fight anybody on that physical level. We're not out to do that. He sends us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He sends us out that we can be wise as serpents. That is, you should know the schemes of the old serpent of old, the devil. Paul says this later on. As wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves. Know that, expect that, down the road, you'll be betrayed, you'll be turned over, you'll have bad things happen because people don't like your confession. Nonetheless, what Denny said is really good, love them. Tell them about Christ. Tell the glory of God. Do you understand that there's a day coming when God shall come, Christ shall return, and we'll all stand before his judgment throne? You need to be prepared. And you can't do that with the blood of anyone except through the blood of Christ. Dangers abound. There are, in fact, people who hate the church, hate the people of the church. There are spiritual beings who hate the church. But we have joy. Because we were acquired by God, his own blood. He loves us, watches over us, and no matter what happens, has joy underneath to hold us up. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen.